Oh damn, we're in trouble now. All right, well, welcome back to another edition of We're in Trouble Now. Yes. And I, Brandon and I are kind of like really in trouble. Well, yes. Yeah, <laughs> because whether you know this or not, Robert is not with us today because he's in Northern Carolina. Yes. And Brandon and I are winging this and doing this all on our own. You know, like the part from um, Zoolander? You know, sitting across from you is a bad idea. <laughs> you know, just, say, just sorry, right? I kind of thought about this. And sitting across from you now is kind of a bad idea. No, this is perfect. This is a bad idea. I, this is perfect. I can stare this at you. This is a bad can, idea. Nope, I can sit here and le- stare at, or look at you lovingly the whole time. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. But there's a part on Zoolander where uh, Owen Wilson and Ben Stiller are sitting at the computer and they're like, the there's cookies inside and they start beating the shit out of the computer trying to get the cookies or like they were just trying to beat the computer to get the information from it. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of like how I felt. You know what? Um, I have to say as a mother, I was very impressed with how well you set this whole system up. Watching a video of how to do it. Yes. It definitely helped. And following the steps of doing it. It definitely helped me, uh, be able to follow steps. But I personally think that, my encouragement and my loving gaze really helped you. What encouragement? You looked at me like, oh, that one. I read after you said it. You're like, right there. Yeah, there's not loving encouragement. That's just poking me. Yeah, well, like, you know what? You take it however you want. Okay. <laughs> so, um, what? So, we're still going to start with some great, good things that happened to us this week. Mm-hmm. And would you like to start? Um, a good thing that happened to me this week was I made, um, made, made ramen. You did? Well, I didn't make it, but like I got top ramen and then I also made steak and then I put some green onions on it and I'm trying I guess one thing that's good is I'm trying to eat healthier. Oh, good. Trying is the key word. And, um, you have to, as the book says, you have to identify yourself as a healthy eater. And I understand that when I'm not eating <laughs> dino nuggies and chicken sandwiches, but yeah. Well, where are you getting your dino nuggies and chicken sandwiches? Target. Well, you, you have to warm them up at home, right? Yes. So they're kind of like homemade. Um, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, I warm them up. There you go. Do you have them with ketchup? No, actually, I don't. Really? But you want to know the best way to cook nuggets? How? You do 15 on each side, so each side's crunchy. Oh, yeah, you have to flip them halfway. Did you even know that? Yes. How do you think I cooked your nuggets when you were younger? Uh, you never did that. I didn't? No. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I figured it out myself like five years ago. So let me ask you a question. Okay. Have you ever used the air fryer that you have? Once. How'd you like it? I don't know. I didn't like the salmon that I had. Oh, so you're, it's not the air fryer's fault. Yes. You should try your dino nuggets in the air fryer. But I don't want to clean it. It's easier with tinfoil. I don't have to clean the fucking thing. Okay, well, you know what? I'm just happy that you're cooking at home. Attempting to, yes. Yes. No. Well, it sounds like you are. Well, I mean, not the best food, but yeah, no, I'm trying I'm trying not to eat out as much as possible. Like, I guess that's my main goal in something good is like, I'm trying not to eat out. Yeah. So let me ask you, does it bother you when I'm c- constantly like 
you're the best. <laughs> you know, you're like, I eat chicken nuggets. I'm like, you're the best chicken nugget eater ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just like, huh? It kind of seems a little like counterintuitive. Just like, well, I'm just really proud of you. I'm proud of my kids. And you know what? And I like to be encouraging. Uh-huh. You're the best chicken nugget eat, eater ever. Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. I get to eat one leg at a time and then the head. Do you not eat the body still? No, I eat the body now. Oh, you do? Well, yes. You've matured so much. <laughs> what the fuck? Why am I getting this right now? Wait, where's Robert? Robert? You're all mine. Robert? Robert. Nope, nope. And he's going to be going to England, so we're going to have two more episodes in May that we are... Shit, that's next month. Yeah, I know. Fuck. Why? I'm just going to knit you like a cap, and then that way it can be your... <laughs> when do you ever knit? Um, I would probably crochet. I can do both. I can knit and crochet. Well, I know you can crochet, mm-hmm. but it's I can been knit. like decades. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah, no, no I, I taught myself how to knit also. I can only really go in a straight line. So, what? So then how can you knit if you can only go in a straight line? I'm going to make so, you a really long string and then I'm going to wrap it around you. I don't like the way this sounds. Robert, <laughs> Robert, he's not here. Uh, and you're like the world's hottest person anyway. What does that have to do with it? How's oh. your hot flashes going? <laughs> They're still bad. They're always bad. I'm hot now. I just put on a jacket and I was cold. I know. So let me ask you this. How's your water intake? Oh, it's good. You know, I've been drinking. I drink water every day. You know, I don't stop. I mean, some days, um, some days are better than others, but I attempt, not attempt, but I, I eat, not eat. I drink <laughs> a lot of water. Yeah. Some water. Yeah. Because, um, because we were talking about our, our hot, our menopause symptoms last week. I don't have menopause, but <laughs> keep going. I'm pretty sure you do. But <laughs> um, I've been, I kind of did some research on it. And they are saying like exercise and a plant-based diet also helps a lot. And I've been trying to drink more water also. I had plant-based something not too long ago and it fucked my stomach up. Was it that impossible meat or something? I don't know what it was, but it did not taste as good as I thought, mm. but I mean, it's not bad. Like I can see how that happens, but no, I think I just run insanely hot anyways. Yeah. So it's kind of hard for me to regulate my temperature. Yeah. No, I was just wondering because like I said, I've been drinking more water. Yeah. Um, I did. I don't, I think it was last week. I said I was going to um, fill up my water in the morning and then set it aside. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely helped me consume more water. Hmm. See, I always have my water bottle next to me, so it kind of like, not my, but like my little water can, I guess you mm-hmm. can say. And like, I always have it next to me, so it's always in my face. So it's always like, hey, drink me. Yeah. It's like, okay. I don't know. I mean, I get to the point where it's like, I don't drink anything. After I stop drinking coffee, I don't drink anything until the evening. And that's not good for my innards. Yeah, that's not good at all if you'd stop drinking. Because I drink I drink coffee and then in either in between or anything like that, I drink water. So I try to like put water into the um, drinking category of my day mm-hmm. just because I don't know if I don't have water in the day, I feel like I either get really bad headaches or um, it's just like I just need I get so thirsty that I just down water. Yeah. Um, a lot before bed. 
I mean, I already have the world's tiniest bladder already. So like, <laughs> you do have a little kitten bladder. So I sit there and I just pee every thirty minutes. <laughs> no wonder you can't sleep. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Maybe you should start drinking more water during the day and less at night. But I get thirsty. Mm, well, there you go. Have you? Um, because I know that last week we were talking about like some healthy habits, and so um, I have noticed, and for some reason, and I guess it's all part of the whole your body changing with age, but I'm gaining weight, um, for, and I'm not really changing any, I'm not changing anything. I'm just gaining weight. So like I told you, I was a little bit of a blot this, this week. And Mm -hmm. so I woke up this morning and I'm like, okay, Lonnie, you have two options. You can either beat yourself up for gaining weight or you can do something about it. So the good thing that I'm going to talk about what I did this week was um, instead of just, you know, kind of spiraling into a little bit of a depression over, you know, my changes that I'm going through, I decided to be more proactive. So um, what I'm doing is, is I have like a, like a calorie counter on my phone. So I'm starting to log all my food because that really helps me like realize if I'm eating good foods or bad foods. And then, um, I have, I love sweets and I eat way too many sweets lately. So I've noticed that they're all positioned like eye level. Like when I opened up the cabinet, it's like cookies. So I've made some real positive steps, I think, to changing, you know, changing those kind of habits. Yeah, no, 100%. You should put them uh, on the top shelf. So you have to get a step stool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, just, I mean, cause that's a, that's a good way to think about it is mm-hmm. like, it's always in your eyesight every time you open up the pantry. So I think it's a good point to just either put them out of reach or down below Yeah. where it's like, you just, there's like, they're too far. I don't want to Definitely out of eyesight. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, I think that's solid. Yeah. And then you, so your metabolism is going down. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just, you know what? And it's really weird, but I mean, uh, I'm associating it with that. But um, another thing I did to try to be really super proactive on mm-hmm. this is I activated my iWatch again. So um, I plugged it in and, and it has like one of those fitness trackers. Yeah. So that way I can see how much I'm moving. Okay. And um, it's it's like if I'm too still for too long, whether I'm editing a video or, you know, getting caught up in one of my, my platforms, it will kind of be like, hey, get up and move around. So I'm trying to, um, you know, when it tells me to get up and move, I get up and I walk around. That's a good point. I, I just don't want to get yelled at every day by a watch, so I don't turn mine on. <laughs> okay, well, we had that discussion about how we can't be, um, we don't like to be told what to do, but no. so, and we don't like structure, no. but sometimes it's for the best. Yeah, true, but I don't want to get yelled at by a robot. You know what? I was um, I went thrifting because Friday is one of my thrift days, mm-hmm. and it actually um, pinged me to breathe. Mm. And it was like so. What I did is I just kind of stopped for a minute, and I just took a couple of deep breaths. And, mm-hmm. and it, you know, what I just think I've gotten out of the routine of self care and self monitoring. That it's, for me, it's necessary. That's a good point. That's a good point. You know, you kind of have to, even if it's something like that, you definitely have to just. You know, you have to have those like little, I wouldn't say crutches or just like the reminders. That's a better yeah. way to put it. You have to have those little reminders telling you that you have to do all this. Or like you said, you know, it just kind of slips through your mind. Yeah. Well, I just didn't want to just continue the pattern of feeling yucky about myself. Yeah, no, 100%. You know, I wanted to be more proactive and I really made a very conscientious decision this morning of either 
do something about it or just accept, you know, or, or not. Yeah. But you can't sit there and beat yourself up over it and then not do anything about it. No, that's true. Cause I mean, I've been thinking about it and like, I have a bicycle in my garage. So mm-hmm. it's like, I just want to go and actually take bike rides and everything just to kind of move around in the day. Cause like, I also think that me not sleeping until three o'clock in the morning or mm-hmm. just staying up the entire time was just me not burning enough energy in the day to really get tired at night. Cause I mean, like you said, you know, last, I think it was last podcast, how at work, how we would just, um, how we'd be pretty much walking around all day and always yeah. on our feet. But now it's more like I sit down for my job and then now I don't get up as much and I don't feel like I burned enough energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I need to start riding my bicycle more just to kind of burn the energy in the mornings. So that's what I'm kind of thinking about, which something I have to do and I know I got to do it. It's just, it's always that first step. That oh, first step's always been really hard to do. Yeah, but I mean, once it's like once that first step is taken, you can take that second step. Oh yeah. And it's it's nothing like it's it's not it's not anything like I can like I can stop my it's not gonna stop me from not doing it. I mean, I'm gonna do it because I enjoy riding bicycles. Mm-hmm. I always have. It's just um, do like you said. You know, it is just the first step mm-hmm. of actually like making the time to do it. But it's once you make the time of it. I guess time management is the better way to word well, this. Yeah. And like I was saying earlier when we were having dinner and um, you had a, just a couple of pieces of bacon and. <laughs> Let me reiterate. That was not a couple of pieces of bacon. If I could count, it was like 15. I went full barbu on Brandon today. And by that, I mean my mother, when my mom would cook, she would cook so much and so literally brandon sat down to two big old belgian waffles a package of cooked bacon and i made four eggs scrambled eggs and i'm like here's your dinner yeah after the first one i was like i don't know if i can finish this she's and she starts walking over with the second fucking waffle i'm like oh god we're gonna throw up yeah i just yeah it was good i mean but yeah it's just one of those things yeah but what you know like when i was talking to you at dinner um I mean, unfortunately, and there are habits that we can change, but we are prone to denying ourselves a whole lot of happiness. Yeah. And sometimes I think that we don't take those first steps because we know that with that first step comes a little bit more of like a little bit of happiness. So we kind of keep ourselves a little sedated because it's like, you know, we, I just think we need to allow ourselves to be happier more often. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the truth. Just kind of have to, um, no, yeah, really have to just kind of sit down and, you know, just like allow yourself or just to tell yourself that you're allowed all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, during my recovery, it was really, it was kind of monumental, but the, the hardest thing for me to say to myself was it's okay to be okay. Yeah. See, I had a pinky promise myself because like at the end, like, I think it was the last day of my addiction. Mm-hmm. And I just like, and I tried over and over and over again. But the only thing that I could really do was just I'd have to promise myself. Yeah. So I pinky promised myself and I was just like, yep, nope, this is it. Like, I'm done. And uh, it's funny because the chapter today is about addiction. Oh, yeah, that is very true. Yeah. So do you want to go ahead and? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we can definitely. Just, and then we can just kind of discuss a little bit more about yeah, this. Yeah, because I mean, it, it's very much going to lead into our discussion that we have right now and the thing is like the chapter is only three pages so i mean i'm just going to read the entire three pages okay fuck it (laughs) what i'm just saying you're like here's your positivity fuck it (laughs) (laughs) i'm just saying it's three pages i'm just gonna read all three pages because it's not like six or eight as well as like the last ones which i have to um i have to go back and kind of dive into the last 
chapter because it sounds cool. Okay, well, go ahead and read to a certain point, but then I do want to interject in a couple of spots. Yeah, no, no, 100%. It's not okay. like I'm just going to read through the entire thing. Oh, I thought fully. you were just like, you're gonna like... bust it out? Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, okay. I mean, I'll probably read a page. No, definitely read to a point where, um, and when you want to discuss something yeah, you said. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Okay, okay so chapter it. seven, The Secret to Self-Control. <laughs> In 1971, as the Vietnam War was heading into its 16th year, Congressman Robert Steele uh, from Connecticut and Morgan Murphy from Illinois made a discovery that stunned the American public. While visiting the troops, they had learned that over 15% of U.S. soldiers stationed there, uh, stationed there was heroin addicts. Follow-up research revealed that 35% of service members in Vietnam had tried heroin and as many as 20% were addicted. The problem was even worse than they had initially thought. The discovery led to a flurry of activity in Washington, including the creation of the Special Action Office of Drug Abuse Preven uh, Prevention under President Nixon to promote uh, prevention and rehabilitation and to track addicted service members when they returned home. Lee Robbins was one of the researchers in charge. In a finding that completely upended the, the accepted beliefs about addiction, Robbins found that when soldiers who had been heroin users returned home, only 5% of them became re-addicted within a year and just 12% relapsed within three years. In other words, approximately 9 out of 10 soldiers who used heroin in Vietnam eliminated their addiction overnight. So, I mean, like, that's crazy to think because, like, heroin is one of those drugs that, like, it's like like meth in a sense it's oh like, yeah I mean, no, it's I, very addicting and like cigarettes are harder to quit than heroin i've mm -hmm. heard i mean i've never done it i, I had a, i actually had a um, a friend in high school when i was in 11th grade a die of a heroin overdose it's, it's 11th grade it's like it's crazy but like to think about it i mean how many soldiers were really like the drug addiction was really bad. Well, especially in like the 19, what was this? 1970s? It was, yeah, it was 16 years. So it was through the 60s and 70s. Yeah. Yeah. And then wasn't like in the 60s. I mean, that's when all like the drugs kind of <laughs> came out, like Coke and all that. And shit. Yeah. People were dropping acid and stuff like that. It was a, it was a goal. It was a drug culture at that time. hundred mm percent. -hmm. Would I want to be born in the 70s? Maybe. <laughs> it's not my fault. I mean, I like, okay. And this is probably going to get a little crazy. Mm. But, like, acid was probably one of the most mind-opening things I think I've ever done. See, I never did that. See, I did acid. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was more of psychedelics, just because. But, like, that was the, probably the craziest thing I've ever done. Yeah, nope. Um, that's one of the few drugs I never did. Yeah, see, I did that in mushrooms. I did that. The mushrooms are crazy. Uh, but, anywho. But not that, encouraged. We not are encouraged. Not no, 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 not endorsing that. No, 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 I'm just saying out of my own experience of my stupidity, which I should have never done anything, and I should have really paid yeah. attention in school. Yeah, but you, we are where we are now. So we are where we are now. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just thinking about it, it's like how many, and it's saying that their addiction nearly, or uh, they eliminated the addiction nearly overnight, which. See, I don't. I don't uh, get that. I don't get that either. And, and you can go ahead and continue reading because it's like, there's a, like I said, this is the first chapter that, that I have read uh -huh. where in theory, I think he's correct, but I think he's missing I think he's missing the context of a couple of things. A couple of things. And yeah. for sure. I mean, and like the thing is like, you know, I really enjoy this book. Oh, yeah. And I'm not trying to sit here and say anything about him either. But with addiction, because I mean, we know addiction. It's kind of. It's kind of interesting. There's, a, there's a bug just kind of true, like chilling around me. Um, there was a couple points where I was just like. Mm, See now. OK, so mm, if let's just. OK, let's just take. 
um, the book in a different context. Let's just say you're sitting there and you don't have an addictive personality and you don't have an addiction. Yeah. I could see how somebody could take this chapter and be like, yeah, you know, we just need to change, you know, change a well, couple of things. No, I'm not going to say too much. So I'm just saying, I think that we're looking at it differently from being, we are that soldier in Vietnam. We did have an addiction. Yeah. So, okay, go ahead. Okay. So the finding contradicted the prevailing view at the time, which considered heroin addiction to be the permanent and irreversible condition. Instead, Robbins revealed that addictions could spontaneously dissolve if there was a radical change in the environment. And Vietnam soldiers spent, or wait, sorry, in Vietnam, soldiers spent all day surrounded by cues triggering heroin use. It was easy to access. They were engulfed by the constant stress of war. They built friendships with fellow soldiers who were also heroin users, and they were thousands of miles away from home. Once a soldier returned to the United States, though he found himself in an environment um, devoid of those triggers, when the context changed, so did the habit. Hmm. I mean, I mean, I get it. Get out of the habit or get out of the environment that it has and all the cues. You know, like if you were if you were addicted to, let's just, I mean, example, drinking. Because I think yeah. drinking is one of the bigger things. It's like, okay, well, if, if one of your cues is like every time you go to a bar, you have a drink. Or every time you have dinner, you have a drink. It's like you kind of have to um, change that a little bit. I mean, you yeah. can't stop going to restaurants. Right. But I look at it this way. I, I remember at the height of my addiction, you could have, I, I, this is just the way I look at it. You could have picked me up and you could have put me in another state and that addiction would have come with me. That I was an alcoholic. I, you know what I had, I wasn't, I was, I had my addictions based on what I thought about myself. Mm -hmm. I, w I had my addictions based on no self-esteem, no self-love, no confidence, and I just didn't think I was worthy of happiness. Yeah. That was not an environmental habit. Yeah. That was an internal struggle. Yeah. So what I'm saying is you could have taken me out of, you could have taken me out of the house that we were in and you could have moved me to the middle of Wyoming and I still would have had the same thoughts about myself. Yeah. So to me, addiction is more than, you know, it is a part of it. Environment is definitely a part of it. I mean, if you're going to go through recovery and all your friends drink, you can't hang out with your friends while you're going through recovery. Yeah. It's going to trigger you to drink again. Yeah. But there's just so many different steps to recovery. I just felt that he kind of just glossed over the absolute different levels of addiction. 100%. I mean, because I, I, I mean... I'm trying to think about this one because like, right, he's in another country, even like you said, you know, even if you're in another, well, that was a state, but I mean, even if you're in another country and like you come up with an addiction, I wonder in like, I was thinking about this, like maybe they didn't want to bring that home because they knew at that point in time, it wasn't, um, I wouldn't say allowed, but it was more like looked upon, like, like looked down on, I guess you can say. Cause I mean, it's like, oh yeah, no, my son's or like, yeah, my son's fighting the war, but yet. Nine out of ten soldiers, or like, how many was it? It was um, thirty-five percent. Uh, so no, twenty percent were addicted. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, are you really going to come home and still do heroin because you know it's just in a different environment? See, because I think that in the mindset of the time, I mean, the soldier in Vietnam fighting in the jungles was like, you know what? Chances are I'm not coming home anyway, so I'm just going to do what I'm going to do to numb myself to get through this experience. 100%. And so then all of a sudden the war's over and they're home and they're like, wow, you know what? I've got something to live for. They you know, better themselves. Yeah. 
So it's like, I don't want to, you know, I don't need to numb myself from a war. So now I'm going to choose sobriety. So they were using it to pretty much get themselves through it mm-hmm. instead of just like, hey, I need this. I'm, a, I, I'm, in, I'm so dependent on it that I can't go without it. Even though if you look at nowadays, it's like people with heroin addictions. I mean, they the, like if they it's, it's so hard to stop. Mm-hmm. But like if you just don't get the help then you just continuously keep following the rabbit. Oh, yeah. So, no, I just don't think that those the soldiers who went over to Vietnam, I don't think that they were all like, hey, yeah, you know what? If I don't go to the war, I'm just going to become an addict. Yeah. You know, I think that they were there and it was a really shitty experience. Yeah. And, you know, people were dying around them and they they medicated themselves to get through the experience. A hundred percent. And like. And, and, you know, I know, and I understand heroin's bad and shit, but like, I, I completely understand yeah. why they did it. And, and there's nothing wrong with it either. I mean, shit, if I was in war and if, especially the Vietnam war. Yeah, no, this is no reflection on any of the soldiers or anything no, that no, they did. Not. This is more of just the, the glossing over of the whole addiction subject. Yeah. Cause I mean, this is about. only heroin too, you know, and this is not like drinking. This is not because I mean, even let's just say, you know, there was 20% that were addicted to, you know, heroin. What about the other 80%? Were they addicted to drinking? Were they addicted no, to... No, you see, that's just the whole thing. It's it's like it was an environmental thing. It, it, when you're in war... I mean, these these soldiers were in the jungle. And, you know, it, alcohol wasn't readily available. It's not like they could go to a bar every night. Well, they were in the point. middle of the jungles. Whatever addiction that they had... I mean, heroin was easily transportable. I mean, it was not something... And it was very rampant over there. So it was easily accessible. So, I mean, had there been a traveling bar with their, with their, um, with their unit, you know, chances are they would have been alcoholics instead of heroin addicts. That's a good point. They were using whatever means they had that were readily available to get themselves through that situation. That's a good point. All right, I'll continue. Okay. So it says, compare the situation to that of a typical drug user. Someone becomes addicted at home or with friends, goes to a clinic to get clean, which is devoid of all the environment stimuli that prompt their habit. Did I get that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is devoid of all the environmental stimuli that prompt their habit, then returns to their old neighborhood with all their previous cues that caused them to get addicted in the first place. It's no wonder that usually um, that usually you see numbers that are exact opposite of those in the Vietnam study. Typically, 90% of heroin users become re-addicted once they return home from rehab. And here's the issue I have with that statement. Uh-huh. All right. Third, not everybody has the luxury of, of uprooting their life and getting an entirely new environment. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, it, maybe through the rehab, if it's like, hey, you know what? Once you're done here, we're going to set you up with an entirely new life. It might be more success rate. So whatever. The thing is, is that these people go back to the life that they started. Yeah. You know, that they, that they left from. So let's just say, for example, like, um, you know, when I was quitting drinking, if, I, I mean, I couldn't sit there and be like, okay, guys, I'm going to get sober, so I'm going to move to Kentucky. Yeah. You know what I mean? So not everybody has the luxury of changing their environment like that. A hundred percent. And it's not, I mean, and I guess it's in like, I kind of see what's going on a little bit, just kind of rereading it again to mm-hmm. everybody. And it's more like, He's not really, he's not, he's just talking about the addiction itself. He's not talking about how the people felt or what the people are going through to, uh, for the reason that they are addicted. It's more of just like, you know, it's kind of, 
He's he's touching the tip of the iceberg, I guess you could yeah, say. Yeah, and I guess, you know, and I know that I'm very sensitive to this subject. Oh, well, yeah. And I'm probably being um, overly combative on this subject. But I'm just saying, if you're, let's just say you're an addict and you're you're trying to improve yourself and you read this chapter, it makes it seem so incredibly easy that I'm just afraid somebody's going to be like, wow, this is really easy. Why am I not failing? You know, why am I not succeeding? Am I a failure? Mm. I just think he should have put a little bit of a, like an asterisk of like, you know what, if you're actively in addiction, you know, these are general um, summaries or something like that. Yeah. And like, but I mean, and he's giving just an example to a point and it's more... Yeah. Like, I know he's making a point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just making a point with a sensitive subject. A very sensitive I mean, do we know if this guy was an addict? Mm, I believe... <laughs> I I believe at the very front of the book, he was not. Um. Okay. Well, he was in a really bad accident. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. Remember? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I guess he... So, because I guess addiction is a habit. You know, you form a habit, then becomes an addiction. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's probably where he's getting at what I'm saying. But, like, he doesn't really know the foolproof of what an addiction really yeah. is. Yeah. So, I mean, okay, keep reading and let's see okay. what he says next. So, it says, The Vietnam studies ran counter to many of our cultural beliefs about bad habits because it challenged the, con- uh, the conventional association of unhealthy behavior as a moral weakness. If you're overweight, a smoker, or an addict, you've been told your entire life that is because you lack self-control. Maybe even that you're a bad person. The idea that a little bit of discipline would solve all your problems is deeply embedded in our culture. See, I like that. He's like, the Mm -hmm. idea that a little bit of discipline would solve all our problems is deeply embedded in our culture. Because sometimes, you know, it's just, it's not that easy. No, people look at, a lot of times people look with people, people look at, People with addictions, like you're weak, yeah, or you know, you're something's wrong with you because you can't stop, yeah. Okay, and then recent research, however, shows something different when scientists analyze people who appear to have tremendous self control, it turns out that those individuals aren't all that different from those who are struggling. Instead, disciplined people are better at structuring their lives in a way that does not require heroic willpower and self control. In other words, they spend less time in, te- uh, in tempting situations. So, I mean, I get that. Just change your environment. See, now, I, and I take complete offense to that statement. I mean, and the reason I do that is because it's like I wanted to, I wanted to be sober. I just didn't know I could. Yeah. And again, he makes it sound, and I know that this is repetitive, but he makes it sound so stupid stupidly easy well here's the thing though maybe the people that are addicted don't have addictions at home you know what i'm saying and this is what i'm saying so so like i don't mean to cut you off but it's like if if your parents are addicted and that's the only environment you have and you're still a young person it's like you can't get away yeah you know what in the depths of my addiction you cannot look at me and say well you know what you're just not very disciplined you know what Betty Lou over there, who's not a raging alcoholic, gambling all her money away, is just a little bit more structured. You know, mm. that just to me, again, it's a sore subject, but I think he could have addressed this in a different way. Yeah, because I mean, he's, not, he's saying it doesn't require heroic willpower and self control. I don't know, dude. Like, I. He said honestly, that disciplined people are better at structuring lives. Um, that way, it does not require heroic willpower. Well, you know what? My sobriety, my sobriety is my heroic will. That's my superhero power. Yeah, I so, mean, 
No, no, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, because, like, I think the hardest drug I had to kick was, um, it wasn't, I mean, honestly, it took me a while to kick weed. I mean, I can give it, like, take it or leave it. It was one of those things. It was more of a want than a need. Um, I would have to say, like, ecstasy was, like, the hardest one that, that I had to kick. Yeah, but, Brandon, I know how many times you tried to get no, sober. No, no. And it wasn't for the lack of wanting, and it wasn't for the lack of discipline. That's what I'm saying. It's just, and even when I changed my situation, mm-hmm. and, like, I got out of there, it still didn't mean that all because I structured myself and made it easier. You know, it, I still took self-control and willpower. Exactly. Because you know, I knew where to get it and when to get it and all this. But it's, like, it, it's the point of, not really arguing with yourself inside. It's more telling yourself that like you wanted to get, you want better for yourself. Oh, absolutely. You and it, it's, what about all those inner voices in your head that tells you that you're not worthy of happiness or you're not, you know, you don't deserve this or you don't deserve that. I mean, there's just so, again, there's just so many different levels of addiction that it is not cut and dry. Oh, yeah. And the reason why it was so hard is because it always made me happy. You know, like the drug itself yeah, made me you happy. Yeah, your, you were numbing because, yourself. Because I wasn't a happy person. You know, so I looked for the one source that made me happy. So there was, it's, a, it's an upper. So like I had to, it was almost like I had to fight myself to figure out if I still wanted to be happy or not. Yeah. And like, I mean, it took me a fucking while. Oh, and that, like prescription meds, that was like, also, that was kind See of that Now, was that when you broke your leg? Uh, it was before that. Okay. Yeah, there was a lot of other times. So, okay. So, look at it this way. So, he's talking about the soldier in Vietnam. So, you're taking a healthy person and putting it into a bad environment. Yes. With an addict, you are an unhealthy person and your environment becomes Vietnam. Well, if you're already in said environment. I mean, there's the people that... I mean, they, they enjoy it so much that they become addicted. But, I mean, if you're already in the environment where it's already... Um, on hand, I guess mm-hmm. you can say. At that point, you become your environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what. I, yeah, it's it's not that easy because you're you are your environment. Yeah, because I mean, you you're already in it. Yeah, you're, you're not out. You're not seeking it anywhere else. You're already in mm-hmm. it. You know, you're if you're around it so much, it it becomes a habit. Like everybody around me smokes cigarettes. I mean, from when I was a kid, Papa, and then you, Vicky, and ultimately, I knew that I was going to start. Right. You know, and then I started. And then it was just one of those things. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't like, I, you know, I never got, I don't think you guys ever told me that it was bad. I knew it was already bad, but it was already one of those things I was like, I know it's bad, but I don't yeah. give a shit. Okay. So let's look at it this way. You, you are, I won't say a product of your environment. Oh, well, I was. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you really were. And you were a product of, a, of an alcoholic parent addicted all of us were addicted we're addicts we're addictive family so you had an you had a a parent you only had one parent and one parent you had had addictions so do you think that your own addictions had anything to do with structuring your life no because there was no structure there you go that's 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 where i'm that's where i'm coming up with the um argument of bullshit but the thing is though even you can even be in the harshest environments but you can still come out upper hand too there are those people that do that you know they they see their environment they're like no i don't want this and Mm. then they start taking the upper hand so at the same time you really aren't a product of your environment because you have the choice and it takes a heroic effort to do that it does and he's saying right there that if you that if, does not require heroic willpower because yeah if you if you're if you're structured so and again at the very top of the level of what he's saying i get it 
and it, it all has to do with about changing your environment and changing your habits. But any addict out there, anybody who has struggled with addiction, I personally am going to, again, state that this is just BS because it is so much more than just that. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, it, it's, it's, we're not saying it's impossible because it is possible. There we are, changed. Yeah. But there are people who have been in our environment. Let's just say if I was a kid, right? Mm -hmm. There's people that have been in our environment, even as a kid, and they know that that's wrong, you know, and they, it's just, they, they have the willpower at that young of an age. And they're just like, no, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. I'm not going to become my environment. I'm going to be better. Yeah. And it happens, you know? So I, I will take back my statement. You, know, you aren't a product of your environment because you can ultimately change it no matter what. Well, even if it is broken, even if it's in the worst situations, you can continuously, you can still... Well, we are products of our environment. It all just depends on what we produce. I mean, you can either produce negativity or you can produce um, positivity. Yeah, but ours was all negative. Oh, ours was horrible. <laughs> you know, and that's just the thing. It's, it's like, to me, and that's why I keep on saying, we, we were in war. I mean, we were, from 100%. the moment we were born, we were in the, you know, we were hand-to-hand -hand combat. Yeah. And... We are a product of that environment through our addictions. 100%. But um, what I'm also getting at is that it is possible to not be a product of your environment. I agree completely. 100%. Okay. okay so so the people with the best self-control are typically the ones who need to use it the least. It's easier to practice self-restraint when you don't have to use it very often. So yes, perseverance, grit, and willpower are essential to success, but the way to improve these qualities is not by wishing you were a more disciplined person, but by creating a more disciplined environment. I mean... What if, yeah, I mean, no, it's true. I mean, yeah, that's I'm what, not going to argue with no, them on that one. I no. mean, it's... it's my sobriety depends on my, my, my environment. How much you give into it? Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, I have built myself a very little safe shelter within my, my head, yeah. and I stay within my happy little environment. Yeah. The counterintuitive counter idea makes even more sense once you understand what happens when a habit is formed in the brain. A habit that has been encoded in the mind is ready to be used whenever uh, the relevant situation arises. When Patty Olwell, a therapist from Austin, Texas, started smoking, she would often light up riding horses with a friend. Eventually, she quit smoking and avoided it for years. She had also stopped riding. Um, yeah, that was it. She also stopped riding. Decades later, she, ho uh, she hopped on a horse again and found herself craving a cigarette for the first time in forever. The cues were still in internalized. She just hasn't been exposed to them in a long time. Mm -hmm. Keep uh, reading because that next okay. paragraph was pretty cool. Once a habit has been encoded, the urge to act follows whenever the environment cues reappear. This is one reason, be um, this is one reason behavior change tec uh, techniques can backfire. Shaming obese people with weight loss presentations can make them feel stressed. And as a result, many people return to their favorite coping strategy, overeating. Showing pictures of a blackened lungs, uh, showing pictures of blackened lungs to smoke to smokers leads to higher levels of anxiety, which drives many people to reach for a cigarette. If you're not careful about cues, you can be or you can cause the very behavior you want to stop. Mm -hmm. and that's true, dude. All right, I'll just continue. Yeah, because I'm trying to get you to the point of uh, there's a something I want to talk okay. about, and I'm like a little bit further, okay, a little okay. bit further. Bad habits are. Um, Autocatalytic. The process feeds itself. They foster the feelings they try to numb. You feel bad, so you eat junk food. Because you eat junk food, you feel bad. Watching television makes you feel sluggish, so you watch more television because you don't have the energy to do anything else. Worrying about your health makes you feel... Uh, I skipped a page. Makes you feel anxious, which causes you to smoke to ease your anxiety. 
which makes your health even worse and soon you're feeling more anxious. It's a downward spiral, uh, spiral of runaway train of bad habits. Mm-hmm. Researchers refer to this phenomenon as a cue-induced wanting. An extra external trigger causes a compulsive craving to repeat a bad habit. Once you notice something, you begin to want it. The process is happening all the time. Often without us realizing it, scientists have found that showing addicts a picture of cocaine for just 30 milliseconds uh, stimulates the reward pathway in the brain and sparks desire. This speed is too fast for the brain to cons- consciously register. The addicts couldn't even tell you what they are, what they had seen, but they craved the drug all the same. See, now that is because I always say that um, I constantly have to keep my guard up for my sobriety. Okay. All right. I always say, I always envision my sobriety. Um, I envision myself as like a cabin in the middle of a dark woods. All right. Now you know, you be a light woods because it's dark outside. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's dark outside because it's that eighties, um, slasher movie. All right. Okay. And you're in the cabin and in the cabin, it's all bright and cheery and happy. That's me. I am my own cabin. All right. But out in the woods, there is a monster, all right? And that monster is my addiction. Okay. So what I do is every day I wake up and I check the doors. I make sure they're locked. I check the windows. I make sure that they're locked. And I keep my, my guard up 24 hours a day uh, to that addiction because it's always out there. And that just proves my point because even if... I don't know I'm being triggered. Mm. I'm being triggered. I'm being triggered by what people say. I'm being triggered by visions I see. I'm being triggered by what I read. I'm being triggered when I go to CVS to get my prescription and I have to walk past an alcohol aisle. So I keep my little cabin safe. All right. So with that, it irritates me beyond belief when I have people who aren't addicts be like, oh, you know what? You should just, you know, relax and enjoy life more. Well, if I do that, I'm afraid that, you know, I'm going to forget to check one of the windows one time and my addiction's going to creep back in. Okay. So I'm just saying it's like, to me, it's, it was just kind of a really kind of cool point where I'm like, see, I knew it. I knew I needed to check the locks every morning. Yeah. No, mine are um, movies. Like when movies mm-hmm. are people smoking, like I completely just like, yeah, that sounds nice. Yeah. Um, I always, every time I go into Albertsons that's closest to us, yeah. I always like, cause I either, when I get like fruits and vegetables and stuff, I go get that stuff, but I walk past the alcohol every I single go time. I always aisle. go down the aisle. Really? Yeah. I'm just like, you know what? No, like I kind of, it's, it's almost like facing it head on. Yeah. I'm just like, nope, you're not better than me. And I just continue walking through it. Yeah. You know, I don't know why I did. It's like, I never skip a beat. Like if I go on that side of the, uh, the grocery store, I always do it. Mm-hmm. It's not because I want it. It's more of just like, fuck you in a sense. Yeah. It's like, I'm not, I'm not here to get you. And then when I see people picking up a shit ton of beer, or just seeing them check out with like alcohol i'm just like okay that's cool like, yeah you know, you know for me you. for me it's vons for some reason because you know how vons is yeah, over yeah, there i fucking love vons yeah it's um i won't go down that alcohol aisle really hmm. but i do have to tell you the other day i was at cvs and they have those little self-checkout lanes but you cannot do it if you have alcohol yep. and i without exaggeration i probably walked past three moms who had alcohol in their hands and they had small children with them and they couldn't use the, sa- the checkout line. Yeah. And part of me was really proud of myself for being able to walk past them without alcohol. And part of me really 
my heart broke for the mom and the kid. Well, yeah. I mean, it's... I mean, they're not a product of their environment. It's just, <laughs> I know, I don't know why that keeps coming up. It's more of just like, it's, it's again, it's a coping mechanism, you know? Yeah. It's something, you know, something in their daily lives that makes people want to drink, you know? I don't understand it because I can never handle it. There's a difference, yeah. you know? Maybe, maybe they could handle it, you know? And then sometimes I think about it, like, when I was younger and shit, if I think about it, it's like you never really okay the block parties right you know how we always have oh, block yeah. parties on mm-hmm. our on our block with everybody and like I mean all the neighbors and shit yeah. and everybody got trashed. It's like I just never, I never really understood why. But you, go ahead. I mean, what? Do you know that uh, the Fourth of July is the hardest holiday for me to get through? That makes sense. Yeah, same here. Because I got I got shit faced one time with mm-hmm. Robert and uh, I walked away because I met a chick. They're like, dude, we thought you drowned. I was like, no, dude, I just met up with a chick. Yeah. And um, it was just, I got shit faced. I don't know. So I don't, I don't, you know, and I was thinking about it now. Like sometimes I don't know. Yeah, dude. I just, I don't know. I don't like big gatherings. It's just not no. my thing. You know, it's, it's that at that point, it's a trigger. Yeah. Because I'm like, cool, big gathering. We're going to get fucked up. Yeah. But no, it's just, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. No, the four, it just now, cause I've been sober now for almost seven years. Yeah. Just now I can deal with the 4th of July without just, I mean, the first six years, I would have to be like going into it with almost like cold sweats Yeah. because I wanted to, I wanted to get drunk and I wanted to go gambling. Yeah. 420. 420 was also a bigger one. So in five yeah. days, that one's kind of hard for me just because like, I think it's fucking hilarious. Well, you know what? Just take it, take it head on. Like you do the, the yeah, uh, aisles do. at Albertsons. Just be like, yeah, I see you. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Cause every time I was down over like the big park and shit, when I was a kid, people mm-hmm. would just smoke in the bushes and all that oh, shit. Yeah. Hilarious. I don't know. I always think it's funny. Like thinking about it now, how like I was always around just shit like that, but I just never really thought about it. Yeah, it's so weird because I can remember doing stuff like that as a kid, never in a million years thinking that I, that it was going to turn into an addiction. You never think about it until you're at the final result and you're like, fuck, what happened? Yeah. When was that one, that one deciding moment that it went from recreational to taking all control? Yeah. I'm trying to, mine was when I was 16 because I mean, I smoked cigarettes when I was young before 16 yeah and then it was an on and off habit and then 16 is when it just skyrocketed it just yeah. peaked and then I, was, I don't i don't even know i think i was just hanging out with the wrong kids and one wrong decision like that you know it just brings you down the wrong path yeah but it is what it is yeah um so here's the punchline you can break a habit but you're unlikely to forget it once the mental grooves of habit have been carved into your brain, they are nearly impossible to remove entirely, even if they go unused for quite a while. And what that means, that simply resisting temptation is an ineffective strategy. It is hard to maintain a Zen attitude and a life filled with interruptions. Uh, it takes too much energy. In the short run, you can choose to overpower temptation. In the long run, we become a product of the environment that we live in. To put it bluntly, I have never seen some consistently st- uh, someone consistently stick to positive habits in a negative environment. 100%. And that's what we were talking about the other chapter too. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't stick with positive habits if you're in a negative environment. Right. And that's what we're getting at. Yeah. Um, I mean, that I totally get. I 100%. Mean, I, and at I, least he acknowledges it. Yeah. And I know where he was taking this it, chapter. Yeah. It's just I wasn't going to just sit back and not have my two cents on this subject. 100%. There's no point to, you know, all because we read something doesn't mean that we left. Oh, yeah, that's right. That sounds good. That sounds good. Yeah. I'm always rooting for the addict that might, or somebody who who's listening that, you know, 
I never want to, I never want them to hear something and then take it like, oh, wow, gosh, that sounds easy. Maybe, maybe I'm doing it wrong or, no. or I'm a failure, you know. No, there's no point. No. Um, a more reliable approach is to cut bad habits off at the source. One of the most practical ways to eliminate a bad habit is to reduce exposure to the cues that cause it. If you can't seem to get any work done, leave your phone in another room for a few hours. If you are continually, continually feeling like you're not enough, stop following social media accounts that trigger jealousy and envy. If you're wasting too much time watching television, move the TV out of the bedroom. If you're spending too much money on electronics, quit reading reviews of the latest tech gear. If you're playing too many video games, unplug the console and put it in the closet after each use. This practice is an, is an inversion of the first law of behavior change. Rather than make it obvious, you make it invisible. I'm often surprised by how effective simple changes like this can be. Remove a single cue and the entire habit often fades away. Self-control is a short-term strategy, not a long-term one. Uh, mm -hmm. You may be able to resist temptation once or twice, but it is unlikely you can muster the willpower to override your desires every time. Instead of summoning a new dose of willpower whenever you want to do the right thing, your energy would be better spent optimizing your environment. This is the secret to self-control. Make the cues of your good habits obvious and the cues of your bad habits invisible. And then I'm just going to go over the chapter summary and then we'll just continue our, our, our little <laughs> You chat. can see me. I I'm can see here. you fucking like <laughs> raising your hand. You're like, me, pick me, pick me, pick me. <laughs> I was, you know what? I was all calm until you read one sentence. And then all of a sudden I'm like, here I go I, again. I can see your head in the corner of my eye while I'm trying to read. I'm trying to focus on reading. My little, see this my, little head. Yeah, my little chicken head's like ring, ring, ring. Yeah. so the chapter summary is the inversion of the first law of behavior changes to make it invisible one ha uh, once a habit is formed it is unlikely to be forgotten people with high self-control tend to spend less time in tempting situations it's easier to avoid temptation than resist it one of the most practical ways to eliminate a bad habit is to reduce exposure to the cue that causes it self-control is a short-term strategy not a long-term one so what I was going to say <laughs> <laughs> is self-control can be long-term. 100%. Any recovering addict will tell you that their willpower is their superpower and it is not short-term. No, because I mean, if you, if you quit an addiction, you're, it's not, it's not an, you're not quitting an addiction for a small period of time. It's something that you do forever. I mean, if you, I was going to say, once an addict, always an addict. Always an addict. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, sorry, I was putting on my hoodie. Um, it's not like, oh, cool, I quit for a month. Let me let me get back into my addiction. It's more like, cool, let me do everything I can to stay away from the addiction to better myself because I was an absolute piece of shit. Or that's just yeah. how I thought yeah. about it. I mean, I'm not saying anybody thinks like that. That's just how I think. Right, because again, it goes back to my saying. It's like, if I move to um, Delaware, do you like how I... like I, how you got all three states, like two, Wyoming, <laughs> Delaware, and then there was another I one. I think Texas. I was Texas. Um, so if I move to Delaware, my self-control um, self moves with me. You know, no matter where I'm at, my sobriety is my ride or die, and my willpower is what keeps it going. And that's just it. It's like my, my addiction was not environmental. My addiction was me. 100%. So. You know, I mean, even, even when it will like, okay. Uh, and I think when I had to quit drugs, it was either I continued to do it or I failed high school or I passed high school and I quit drugs. So I had an ultimatum. Mm -hmm. I mean, and all because I quit them for a year doesn't mean that I continuously quit them because I also got into uh, cocaine, prescription drugs. 
and everything afterwards. So all because, you know, I put a pause to it. I did what I had to do, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that it ultimately went away I, because I still was struggling with the addiction. Yeah. And you know what? And it was in, it was not environmental. Your no, addiction, your addiction was you, but was, you have the willpower that is not short term no. to keep your addiction go or no. to keep your sobriety going. Cause I continuously think about drinking every single day. Yeah. I, I continue thinking about smoking every single day. It's not one of those things. that's like, Oh cool. I'm at a certain point. I'm cured. Yeah. And now I can, you know, I can have a drink and I will be fine. You yeah. Know? And I, before, um, before I can, before I stopped completely, I was like, yeah, you know what, dude, I, I think I'm good. You know, I think if I have one drink, I should be fine. Did not happen like that. Nope. And I went down the slippery slope that I was in beforehand. So yep. it's like, there, there's, there's no way I, the, I can't control it. So no. at that point, I would rather stop. Absolutely. Because I try to control it, and I think I went crazier the last time. I did that. Every time that I would stop, I'd be like, oh, if I can stop for 30 days, I don't have a problem. Yep. I would stop for 30 days, and on that 31st day, it would be a three-day bender. Yep. You, was. Yeah, it was almost like my addiction was punishing me for, for trying to stop. Exactly. Yeah, it's like, I'll show you. I'll show you 30 days. <laughs> Try to stop me. I'm going to come back with a yeah. fucking vengeance. <laughs> I'll show you regret. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, so I was thinking, Brandon, yep. since Robert's not here, we should um, play a game. Okay. Um, and it's the best friend game. So you okay. ready for the theme song? Talking about my best friend, Robert. God. <laughs> Robert. He's your best friend, Robert. too. Robert. For the, for the sake of this exercise, he's your best friend, too. Fine. If he has to be. Well, you guys love each other. I know. So what we're doing is we're going to play a game, the best friend game. Yes. And the best friend is Robert. Robert. So what we're going to do is I'm going to ask a question and we're going to try to answer it on his behalf. Okay. Now, the simple fact that Robert's not here, we are always going to be right. (laughs) This is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. Sorry, Robert. Yeah, because he cannot argue. He can't fight back. Nope. So now, Natasha, I know you're listening feel free to um, to play along and then um, make sure that you let Robert know your answers. Yes. Okay. So, Brandon. What? Um, so, Robert. Okay. It's January 1st. Is Robert going to take time to take down the holiday decorations? Yes or no? January 1st? Yes. Yeah. See, it's Robert. You see, my thing is, is that these came down at six o'clock on Christmas Day. That's what I was thinking. I was like, wait, January first. Like, that's so much farther than twenty yeah. fifth of December. But yeah, no, I mean, well, I mean, that all depends on if I'm busy for six days, because he, he usually has me help him. Oh yeah. So like, if I'm busy for a week, he gets to fucking keep those things up. <laughs> it's it's the funny thing is, is that he. He, it's because we moved into this house. Yeah. He now has competition across from us to the left and then also beside us. So it's like they they are looking at Robert like, hey, 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 Don. Yeah. No, no, no. It's so funny watching um, Gil and Ray and Robert out there like talking about power washers and, you know, they're like little, they're like, they're, they're a cute little group of gals. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. Next thing we know, we need to get him a date. Yeah, exactly. We yeah. should put him on a play date. <laughs> Go to fucking Home Depot and shit. Oh my God. They would never leave. Yeah, Robert would come back with a bunch of shit. Yeah. 
he'd come back with like one of those little um, Home Depot aprons that where he gets to write his own name on there. <laughs> he has a toy hammer and shit. Yeah, it has like 42 sizes too small. <laughs> the funny thing is I can fucking see that. Yeah, it just looks like a bib on him. Yeah, I can see that. He would wear it anyways. He's a fucking weirdo. He's, he'd he's a be weirdo. like, hey mom, Ray bought me my own hammer. <laughs> Yeah. It's like it has like the squeaky noise. Yeah, he says not to use it unless he's around, but I have a hammer. <laughs> okay. Okay. Does Robert prefer morning showers, evening showers, or no showers? No showers. He would rather not shower if he could. Really? What? You yeah, don't, well, he doesn't like showers. He's told me multiple. I mean, he takes showers 100%. He takes yes. them in the morning. He does not like them? No, but he, just, he would rather not prefer to have a shower. Oh, you know what's fun? But, I mean, he showers every day, though. That's the thing. I don't want to get this across the point of anybody. <laughs> he does shower. He showers every day. That is the point I want to get across. All because he takes them, he doesn't want to have them anyways, but he takes them. It's, so, like, it's like a baby taking a nap. They don't want to nap, but they, but nap, they nap in general. Yeah, and then they feel much better after they do. Exactly. <laughs> So, you know, what's really funny is for some reason, I just have a tendency to like, if he goes to get in the shower, I'm like, now's a perfect time to start laundry. <laughs> you know, Robert's going to fucking kill us. <laughs> like, you know, I'm thinking about this now. I'm thinking about the repercussions that are going to come from this. And yeah, well, Robert's going to kill us. He has to catch us. <laughs> He's going to fucking kill us. Oh, wait. So, um, um, out of all three of us, who's more likely to get arrested? <laughs> uh, either me or you <laughs> Yeah, no, without a doubt we, Robert's always good for bail money Yeah, that's a good point How many best friends does he have? Johnny, Arian, Jay Stranger Vinny. Yeah, Stranger, Vinny X, X Itagaki Ninja I want to say about a handful So like 10 I want to say he has ten, Like, I mean I can I really, say like really, really Really tight got, About five <laughs> He's got you. Well, I'm his brother, so that, uh, yeah. it's already a given. He's but got Ari and he's got Stranger. On uh, Andrew. Jason. Andrew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then you get... Uh, X. Yeah. I would say... Saying, five or six. Yeah. Like 10 at total, but I think really good friends, he's got about five. Like real, real mm-hmm. tight friends, about five. Yeah. I, I agree with that one. Yeah. Okay. On the Game of Thrones, what character is he? Uh, Hodor. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Absolutely, he's Hodor. Hodor. Yeah. Yeah. Hodor. Yeah. Either that or he's the fucking mountain because he's getting pretty big. Like, he's getting fucking fit as fuck. I was going to say Jeffrey. He's not a dick. I so know, he can't I be know. Jeffrey. No, he's Hodor. He's definitely Hodor. Yeah. I was like, I'm like, if he doesn't say it, I'm going to. No, he's fucking Hodor. <laughs> um, who's his role model? He has a role model? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, uh, it would be Papa. Yeah. Yeah, 100% Papa. Cause, 100%. I mean, yeah, because, like, he, I mean, he fucking instilled some pretty good stuff into us. Oh, even yeah. Even though he never, like, it's so weird. Like, you know, we knew that he loved us, and I, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure you can also say this as well. It's like, he, he knew he loved us, but he never showed it. Nope. But at the same time, that was very endearing, in a sense. It was like, he loved us to an extent, but he wasn't over-pampering us. Oh, no, I absolutely get what you're saying, because... You know, now as an adult, I look back at it and I don't think anybody would ever love his kids and his grandkids more than he did. But when you are a, a small child, you don't really understand it quite the same. No, because I was always like, fuck, dude. Like, we, I mean, we, we knew that he loved us, but we never understood it until we got older. Which I think is, you know what, and, and this might sound cheesy, but I would rather have it that way 
than any other way. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think, and just me personally, is I'm glad that we didn't get pampered. No. No, that's just me. You know, I would rather have, and like, I know people might say differently, but this is just my own opinion. And no. Like, I just, I really just don't want to get pampered. I always say, Papa's, Papa's gift was to raise us hard because you have to figure he grew up in an orphanage and what he really wanted to instill in the people he loved was how to take care of yourself. Yeah. To him. Yeah. To him, that was how he showed love. He showed his love by being like, you know what? I want the people I love to be able to take care of themselves. Yeah. Here's how to survive. How to survive. And trust me, he taught us well. All right. Who do you think Robert's favorite actor is? Hmm. He doesn't watch movies, though. I'm thinking Big Bird. <laughs> Why fucking Big Bird? Now I'm curious about this. <laughs> I don't know. You know, he's a bird and he's big. And I think that, you know. Oh, my God. There's a pink giraffe. What makes it a pink giraffe? It's pink. And it's a giraffe. <laughs> I don't know. I just, just, for some reason, Big Bird just popped into my mind. Uh, I'm pretty sure he has one. It's probably like an old timey. I'm going to say Burt Reynolds. I don't think so. We never know. I think it would be more. Or like Awesome Powers. I mean, sorry, Mike. Uh, uh, oh. Uh, oh, my God. Oh, Mike Myers. Yes, thank you. I was like, this is going to fuck. Oh, probably Robin Williams. Uh, that's who I was. That's absolutely. Honestly, probably yeah, Robin Williams. I think, I think you got that one. I had to go down the ladder of funny. Even though <laughs> Robin Williams was probably one of the funniest people. And he was so tortured. What do you mean? Robin Williams? Yeah. He, he was... Um, he his comedy masked his pain. Well, yeah, you gotta think about the if if you're not telling people how you feel, you're gonna mask it up. Oh yeah, you know? and that's how he you know that yeah. was kind of like his it's, his escape. And you know what? If you really want to know um, about Robert, when he started doing stand up comedy, that was how he was um, masking coping. His, yeah, yeah, that's how he was masking and coping with his also. That's true. Yeah. Will Robert drink caffeine past three p.m.? Three p.m. Yeah. 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 Hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Guy's a fucking addict. Oh yeah, no. Well, for caffeine. Well, did you know that he won't drink? He won't warm up his afternoon coffee. He's a psychopath. No kidding. Why do you think I'm nice to him? I don't make direct eye contact. Who the fuck drinks cold coffee? Oh yeah, no. Especially uh, cold coffee that's been sitting there for a couple hours. Oh yeah. Every time I take a sip after the coffee has been cold for five minutes, I go. Bleh. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, this is me. Microwave. It yeah. has to be steamy. I have to burn my my mouth in order to drink my coffee. Hundred percent. Yep. Nope. You're. Your brother drinks cold coffee in He's the He's a afternoon. psychopath. 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 Yes. Who likes Big Bird? <laughs> Does it really have to do with anything? I know. What was his favorite brand of clothing in middle school? In middle school? Yes. Famous. Oh, see, I was going to say Dickies. Oh, shit. That's true. Yeah. Because, we, we, yeah, we did have a lot of Dickies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um. Let's see here. You want to say one? Yeah, sure. If a stranger saw Robert on the street, how old would they think he is? 52. (laughs) (laughs) Why? He carries himself as an old man. He is an old man. Are you reading the green side? Oh, yeah, you are. It doesn't matter. They're both. Okay. Um, You know what? Truthfully, I think you and he both look younger than you really are. So I've been feeling my age at 29. You are getting gray. Thanks for noticing. You're very welcome. But it's an endearing, you know what? Your grandfather prematurely grade, so did Barbu, so did I. Awesome. So it's just, it's a family. It's our family crest, gray hair. Of graying. Yeah. Early. Yeah. The Early. Earls of Gray. Oh my God. 
Uh, if Robert could switch places with the president, a celebrity, or a famous athlete for a year, who would he choose? Oh, he would be the president. And then he would like come up with a bunch of ridiculous laws and make us call him like sir or something. Yes. Yeah, that's a good point. Yes. I don't know, actually. I don't know. I probably think he would be... Yeah, you'd be the president for sure. Yeah. Um, that's not a good question. What's Robert's favorite condiment? <laughs> no, no, you fucking don't fucking condiment, condiment, not condom, condiment. Because if you fucking knew that, I would walk out of here right now. Mustard. Mustard. Yeah. I would say tapatio. Oh yeah. <laughs> Jesus. I was thinking hot dog. This has gone so sideways. I, I wish. <laughs> I wish. I was you know Robert's going to kill like us? A, like a Costco hot dog. <laughs> Next question. You know, the really bad part is, is that in this whole thing that Robert showed us how to do us, he never showed us how to delete anything. So we're stuck with this. <laughs> well, you just delete it post-edit. Or no, just this is him. good. No. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to leave it in the We're it. just letting this baby roll. Okay. And then, uh, what's my, f- oh, not mine. What's Robert's favorite holiday? Um, I will say, um, he does not like Halloween. I know he doesn't like Easter. Um, and I don't think he's a fan of Thanksgiving. I don't know. Fucking, um, I don't know. I would, Groundhog's I Day? Arbor Day? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't really. That's a good question. I don't know. I have never actually. What is your favorite? Uh, Christmas. Yeah, I was gonna say Christmas or Thanksgiving. I just like the feeling of Christmas. I don't really give a shit. And don't forget, this year we we've already decided that for the holidays, we are going to do um, more for the holidays this year. Who fucking decided this? It's on the podcast. You can listen to it. Wow. (laughs) Okay. If Robert was a plant, would he be a fern, a bamboo, or a bush? He would be a bamboo. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, just kind of tall and lengthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I already knew you were going to say fern, but he's definitely not a fern. He's a bamboo. He's a bamboo for sure. Yeah, he's he's a quick little grower. Quick little thing. Yeah. What's Robert's biggest pet peeve? Oh, my God, being late. If Really? Some, oh, yeah. No, if you're late or if you make him late, it is not good. That's why I'm always early. Yes. It, it's, a, it's a papa trait that y'all inherited. Yeah. But yeah. Because I get 30 minutes early because Papa was always 30 minutes early to the orthodontist. Mm-hmm. And I was always 30 minutes fucking early to the orthodontist. Yes. And, and do I you sat- know that after Papa passed away and I had to take Barbu to the doctors, if I got her there on time, I got bitched out the entire way because we were not there early because yeah. he took her to every single doctor's appointment. So I'm like, you're getting there. Yeah, but your father would have had me here earlier. Yeah, that's why I always got Barbu there early because yeah. I, was, I was always early myself. Uh, if Robert stubbed his toe, what would he yell? Mommy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I think it'd be fuck. <laughs> Sorry, Robert. What does Robert? I'm trying to paint Robert in a favorable <laughs> picture, and you're just sitting over here well, fucking being he, maniacal. That's what he gets for leaving us. <laughs> he's, over, he's over at a wedding for his best friend. Yeah, don't leave the room. <laughs> what, do, what does Robert absolutely hate? Cotton balls. Ah, that's a good point. Mm. Or owls. Or, um, or owls or being late. Yeah. Uh, Robert, what's Robert's favorite type of candy? 
Because I don't even know that. Mm, you know, like a candy bar? I would have to say Reese's. I'm going to say Baby Ruth. No. when Baby um, Ruth. Because I remember that motherfucker ate Baby Ruth all the time. No, it was more Reese's. No? Yeah. I will argue this because I think it's... What's yours? Tootsie uh, Rolls. No. What the fuck? I'm not 80. <laughs> Don't fucking eat tootsie Black rolls. licorice. <laughs> black licorice is, you know, and this is going to be a debate, but black licorice is disgusting. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I like red licorice. Yeah. Um, if Robert was an animal, what animal would I would he be? Probably mm. shouldn't have said that. He would be a goat. Why would he be a fucking goat? He'd be a billy goat. I don't think he'd be a billy goat. Because he's... Okay, not statue, not like, he doesn't look like a goat, but he's very <laughs> stubborn. That doesn't make him a goat. Yes, it does. Goats are very stubborn. Have you ever tried to tell a goat what to do? Can, do goats know fucking English? Do they well, listen? No, no animals do. So I've been trying to convince Robert to um, adopt a raccoon because I want a, I want a little raccoon that I can like dress up and, and bring him places, bring her places. You know and that's not going to happen. I know. But then he sends me a TikTok and the TikTok was of Mr. Bubbles, that's the raccoon, who um, was in a drawer and didn't want the person to open the drawer. And every time he'd open the drawer, the raccoon would be like, and then like shut the drawer on him. And it was really funny. So Robert sends me the TikTok and I'm like, okay, I'm trying to convince you to get a raccoon. And this is not helping you to convince me of not getting a raccoon. Yes, because Robert's torturing you. I know. He can't show me like little cute TikToks of Mr. Bubbles and then expect me to not want a raccoon. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. But that was a fun episode. Yeah, it was. You know, I did miss Robert. And you know what? Yeah. And I love Robert very much. And um, I don't think he would, if he stubbed his toe, I think it would be um, son of a bitch. That's a good one. Yes. Or goddamn. Yeah. Uh, Definitely something other than what I said. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. So um, next week, Robert will be back. And then um, starting next week, we're actually going to two podcasts a week. Mm-hmm. So we are super excited to announce this. What we're going to be doing is we're going to continue with the book club and um, for one episode. And then for the second episode, we're going to do more improv and just kind of hang out and talk and laugh and have fun. So if you've missed our um, Trixie wants a lot moments, she will be back. Who was I again? What was the name of the person? No, who's the chick? Uh, Oh, we'll have to listen to that. Yeah, but you were Chet Norris there for a while. I was too. Chet Norris, but then I came up with another person. And Robert Stick Butts. Yeah, Robert's Richard Butts. <laughs> Richard Butts. <laughs> so we're going to be doing that. And I'm really super excited to be able to do two of them again. Yeah. And I just appreciate all the feedback that you all have been giving us. So then that way we know that you all want to hear, you know, you want to hear both. And, mm-hmm. and we are here to um, make sure you all are happy. So there you go. Mm-hmm. So, okay, if you have any comments about today's episode, you can reach out to both Brandon and I and Robert. I am gray hair and tattoos across all social media platforms. I'm Don't Die Disco across all social media platforms. And um, Twitch, right? And Twitch. Yes, and Robert is Robert Robert Pike Pike on Instagram and Sherbert on every other episode. So we'll see you next week on Monday and I believe on Wednesday. So I think what? we're yeah we're going to re, we're going to release one on Monday as always. We and don't then, have two this week. It'll be next week. Next week, yeah, that's what I said. You said this week. No, just disregard that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, I'll see you next time. Bye, you guys. <laughs>